hey guys guys no it's it's cool we don't we don't need to do that this year I'm, I'm fine I'm fine thank you no take the take the streamers take the gifts I yeah I really don't need the kid do you need to take the kid oh, oh, I want for my birthday is a little peace and quiet <laughs> do I sound like a grumpy old lady Apparently, it's my birthday week, but I can't say that I care. Last year, I turned 40, and it was the most epic birthday ever. I booked a penthouse villa for my friends, and we lived it up like rock stars in Tulum, complete with a catamaran, day parties, and a personal chef. But this year's 41. Nobody gives a crap about 41. And after last year, I'm pretty sure I've had enough of a fuss made over me to last me till, I don't know, 45? <laughs> When I turned 40, it was only natural to sit back and reflect on the past decade. But at 41, with all these Facebook memories reminding me of the trip that I went on last year, I can't help but reflect on the past 365 days. And to put it quite simply, they've been hard. Of course, there have been lots of beautiful moments too. But today, I want to share with you some of the things I've learned. And you be able to relate. <laughs> We're going to talk about a very unexpected kind of heartbreak, a new way to look at what it means when someone you love, whether it's a family member, lover, or friend, doesn't choose you. Ugh. The worst. So grab that bucket of Hagen dazs slip into something comfortable. We're going to talk about the shittiness of not being chosen, some fun Arzu updates, and a little help if you're sad about not having a Valentine's date. Let's go. Welcome to Big Lush Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. <laughs> now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. difference 365 days can make. <laughs> Last year, this time, I was in Mexico with my five closest friends. The only responsibilities that I had were my two dogs who were being very well taken care of, so I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. My sister and I were super close, and I was sad that she couldn't join us on the trip, but I knew she had other priorities. I was a little thinner. My dark circles weren't as prominent. <laughs> and I was at, I don't know, episode 50-something... This year, I'm alone in Mexico working and I'm flying home immediately after because, well, I have a daughter now. <laughs> Arzu moved in with me and my sister has essentially vanished out of my life with literally no explanation whatsoever. Sometimes it feels like the only thing that's been consistent has been this show. You. So thank you for being here. <laughs> This morning, I dropped Arzu off early for basketball practice, and as I drove home, I had some time to think. This year has been hard for me. Hard because prior to everything that happened, I really thought that as long as I stayed away from toxic men and only focused on someone healthy or nobody at all, that I could avoid getting my heart broken. So the disappointment that I faced this year came as an extra surprise. A long time ago, I went to Thailand, and while I was there, I did something called a monk chat, which is exactly what it sounds like. You sit down and you talk to a monk about anything you'd like. Of course, you have to keep a distance because they aren't allowed to touch women, so I sat awkwardly far away from this young man as we talked about life and what he went through in an everyday basis. He explained to me that he and the rest of the monks in his monastery have to meditate, sometimes for days on end, which involves extreme mental focus and not moving. Of course, 
I don't know if you've ever tried sitting in the same position for too long, but that can get really painful. So they have to master staying still, not moving, focusing through the pain. And when I asked him why, he said, we're meant to suffer because suffering brings strength. He said, in the outside world, you have to suffer too, right? I wanted to accept what he had said as a fact, but the part of me that loves a healthy debate piped up. I said, I don't think it's the same at all. He said, no. Why is that? I said, because your suffering is scheduled. In the real world, what makes suffering so hard is that it comes at the most unexpected times. There's no way to predict where it's going to come from or when it will strike. He sat back and considered what I said for a minute and then said, you know what? I think you're right. I love being right. And there's an extra special satisfaction that comes from having it said by a monk. (laughs) Where am I going with this? Well, this year, suffering came as a huge surprise. I thought I had all my bases covered. How could I possibly end up suffering or heartbroken if I'm staying in my own lane, focused on my work, not tripping over anyone toxic with the best group of friends ever? I would have never expected that it would come from my sister, especially not with the relationship that we had. Working on this show, We had a daily call at 10 a.m. where we discussed the plan for the day. We had a conversation running in Facebook Messenger that we had affectionately titled Unfuckwithable because we were so determined to take over the world together. And prior to that, we called our conversation Future Millionaire Sisters. We were dreaming big together. But if you heard my episode about losing friends, you know that I see life as a bus that I'm driving towards my goals and dreams. You know, my oceanfront mansion in the sky, if you will. I'm trying to bring everyone I love with me, but she got off the bus. The one that I thought would have been riding on the bumper if she had to. As it goes, some people aren't meant to go all the way with us. Every once in a while, we have to pull over and let somebody off. And I couldn't help but take it personal. Like, what did I do wrong? I thought I loved her as good as I could. I helped her buy a house. (laughs) I took her kids to London and Paris. I tried to support her in any way that I could. So how could she walk away from me? Wasn't I lovable and worthy of her friendship? I couldn't think of what I'd done wrong, or at least nothing that would have been big enough to warrant this. So she just stopped choosing me? We'll get back to this later. But as I mentioned, once someone gets off the bus, it means there's a seat for somebody else. Enter Arzu. She moved in with me this year, and when I said yes, I had no idea what I was signing up for. What's funny is, before she came into my life, I'd always joked that I wasn't sure if I was going to end up having kids of my own, because what if they turn out to be little assholes? I'd rather just meet a kid that I already knew that I liked and say, hey, want to get through life together? And that's pretty much exactly what happened with her. I guess I spoke her into existence. I manifested her, if you will. She was my wish, and that makes sense, because... Arzu actually means wish. It's been almost four months now that we've lived together and it's safe to say that now more than ever, we both know that this was meant to be. I brought her home to spend Christmas with my family and I, and there were so many things that she said that had my mom asking, are you sure she's not your real daughter? 
We're both sporty smartasses who love sneakers and once in a while will surprise people in a dress. <laughs> Since moving in with me, I introduced her to the music that I listened to at her age. Lauren Hill, Erica Badu, TLC, and Destiny's Child. And now whenever we go for a drive at night, she asks me to put my music on. We sing at the top of our lungs, point out the most powerful lyrics, and talk about the things in our lives that they might apply to. I know she loves it because whenever I'm busy working, she'll ask, Hey, Gina, tonight, can you take a break so we can go for a drive? (laughs) I've been to her school and I've met her principal and some of her teachers. And the one that I see the most is her basketball coach because I've watched almost all of her games. I'll usually drop her off and then I'll go do something for myself while she warms up and plays the first quarter. And then I'll come watch the second and stay to cheer in the front row until the end of the game. One day, Arzu had just finished a game in a tournament at a Christian school. I went to buy some supplies and then came to watch the second half. At the end of the game, the coach came up to me as everyone was packing up and let me know that while Arzu was playing, she'd been guarding one of the other team's players a little too closely and ended up getting an elbow to the face. Well, she immediately switched into the version of her that I call Thuggy Arzu. I mean, she was raised by a dad and three brothers, right? And she yelled, this bitch just hit me in the fucking face. Did you see that? And everyone on her team looked shocked and said, Arzu, you can't talk like that. The coach told me it was great because she didn't even have to say anything. The other students had corrected her themselves. Now, I don't have a problem with swearing. I tend to be a very (laughs) enthusiastic talker myself, but I do know that there's a time and place for it. So I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'll talk to her about her language. At the next game, We had to sit and wait for our turn to play. So I sat in the bleachers with Arzu and her teammates. One of the girls saw that Arzu had this hot pink eyeliner on that was left over from the makeover that had done on her the night before. And she said, you look pretty, Arzu. I like your makeup. I was happy that she noticed the subtle difference, but I figured that she had missed out on the full transformation that had happened the night before. So I said, oh, thanks. Can I show you a reel of how her makeup was last night? She looked fucking snatched. The very quiet young lady literally leaned away from me, shook at what I had just said. So I dialed back my excitement to a safe and proper four and laughed thinking about what had happened on the court the day before. I'm sure she was thinking, well, this explains a lot. (laughs) Another game I went to, I walked into the gym during the start of the second quarter and sat down. I saw that Arzu was sitting on the bench with tape on her wrist. That wasn't there when I dropped her off. We locked eyes and she made a gesture that said she had something she needed to tell me. She never got to play that entire quarter and at halftime she ran over to me and she said, Jaina, you're never going to believe what happened. I was in the middle of playing and the ref stopped the game and told me that I had to take off my bracelet. She was referring to the gold permanent bracelet that she and I had that matched. My friend Elsa gave them to us. They were actually welded on so she can't take them off unless you pull it off. They have an evil eye on them and Arzu has always kind of believed that they were protecting us. She said, I told the ref that I can't take it off and the coach said that we could tape it. But he said, since he knew it was there, I had to sit the game out and I can't play again if I still have it on. Tears were welling up in her eyes. She loves basketball. So I said, don't worry, we can take it off. Elsa put them on and she can weld them back on us. But Arzu got very serious and she said, no, I'll sit the game out. I'll quit basketball if I have to, but I'm not taking this thing off. It wasn't just a bracelet to her. It was a symbol of our relationship and the blessings that we've had together up until this point. I got it. So after the game, I found the ref. I called to him from the other side of the basketball court. I said, excuse me, can we speak for a second? He moved towards me and I said, I just want to talk to you about the girl with the bracelet. 
His shoulders dropped like, oh shit, here we go. Another bitchy parent. But my approach is always different. I wasn't going to yell. I was just going to explain our situation. I said, as you can see, um, I have one that matches hers. I actually just adopted her three months ago, and it's kind of a symbol of our bond together. Surprisingly, I had tears in my eyes trying to explain it to him. His chest that was very puffed up was suddenly deflated, and he said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I feel like a jerk for how hard I was on her. I said, it's okay. I understand, but we just need to find a solution because she needs to play basketball and it has to be with this bracelet on. If I tape it and put a wristband on it, will it be okay for the next game? He said, if I say yes, you didn't hear it from me, okay? That little lady makes me smile all the time. Sure, she pushes the boundaries to see what she can get away with, leaves her hair dye all over the bathroom, clothes all over the place, and asks to wear a new pair of my sneakers every day. But I actually don't mind. I tell myself that being a parent means nothing is mine anymore anyways. It's ours. One night, we were getting ready for bed, and she called out from the living room, Good night, Gina. I love you. And it was the first time she'd said it. She couldn't see me, but I was smiling so big. I said, good night, Ladybug. I love you too. Then a couple of seconds passed, and she asked, Is it weird? Sometimes I wish my dad and I had a relationship like this. My heart sank. And in that moment, I was reminded that no matter what I do for her, no matter how well I show up, nothing I can do will ever replace that love. She'll always wonder about it. And I know that because somewhere deep inside, I have the same questions about my own birth father. I said, that's not weird at all, love. It's completely normal to want to feel loved by your father. And then she said, sometimes I wonder what I should have done differently for him to love me more. (sighs) That was hard to hear. (sighs) After thinking carefully, I said, His ability or inability to express his love has nothing to do with you. Some people are broken and have their own issues. Just because they can't love in a way that you understand doesn't make you unlovable. Here I was, listening to this incredible young lady saying she felt unlovable. It broke my heart. But she was craving love from a broken, hurting person. This was a him problem, not a her problem. And it's not a kid's job to do anything extra in order to be loved. I heard myself saying the words out loud and realized that it applied to me in my situation too. I was over here wondering what I should have done differently, why I wasn't lovable. And a voice came in my head and said, not everything is about you. And that's going to be my mantra going into my 41st rotation around the sun. Not Not everything everything is about me. What do I mean by that? People come in and out of our lives kind of like a movie script. They serve a purpose and then sometimes they go. Sometimes they come back, but sometimes they don't. But that's in your movie, the one that's starring you. You're the main character in your life, but not everyone else's. They're also in their own movie with their own plot, their own lessons and journeys that they need to go on. Sometimes we lose someone because we don't need them anymore. And sometimes it's because they have other business in their own lives that they need to tend to that has nothing to do with us. 
They have a storyline that they need to live out to become whomever they're supposed to become. So that's what I mean when I say not everything is about you. That other person is the main character in their own life. Sure, you want your father's love, but he might not be capable of showing it for any one of a whole host of reasons. Maybe he was abused. Maybe he has a drinking problem. Maybe he's mourning the loss of his parents or neglect from his childhood. Maybe he's unhappy in his marriage, so he can't show up for you. But that doesn't mean you aren't lovable. Maybe your sister or friend is needing to focus on a new career or a new relationship or an eating disorder or a drug addiction. Maybe she has abandonment issues or is stressed about the health of her parents or maybe her marriage. She needs to focus on whatever she's going through at that time. And again, it has nothing to do with you. It breaks my heart when I think of all the people wondering why they're not good enough because of somebody else's inability to love. I had more confirmation that that was the case in my situation a few weeks ago when someone told me that my sister said she hated me. I was gutted. It's one thing to peace out on the podcast or just stop talking to me. And I was over here thinking it's just because she needed space, but it's another thing to openly tell people you hate me. So in that moment, I decided enough is enough. I want answers. I put my big girl pants on and called her. She didn't pick up. I called again. Still no answer. That's when I went into thuggy Jaina mode and I called 10 more times. Finally, she picked up. Hello? I said, hi. She said, who is this? (laughs) I said, really? It's Jaina. She said, oh, I just saw a bunch of numbers. So I don't know. I guess maybe she deleted my contact. Whatever. I finally had her on the phone. After many unanswered texts that had been left on read, I said, I heard you hate me now. And I'm just confused because from my perspective, all I ever did was my best to love you, to cross any T or dot any I in your life. So I would just like you to tell me, what do you know for sure that I did that got us to where we are right now? She paused. And then she said, I gotta go. And she hung up the phone. That was it. Confirmation to me that I hadn't unknowingly done anything wrong because if I had, she would have said it. Instead, this was just a chapter in her life that simply didn't include a sister as her co-star. Sure, that hurts. And I want to be included and I want to feel relevant and loved, but this isn't about me. I've cried enough. She's not crying over me. I've stopped wondering or blaming myself. I'm confident in who I am and how I loved her as well as the other people who have left my life. But this is her time to do whatever she needs to do without me. Not everything is about me. So if she's rejecting my blessings, then let it be. There are other people who want me and choose me like Arzu. And one day, even she'll turn a page in a new chapter where I won't be the co-star anymore. I'll just be the actor with one line or maybe even just an extra. And that's okay. One night, when I was woken up out of my sleep, I laid in bed just stressing about everything with my sister. And I had a shift in perspective. I looked back on my life and I remembered that every time I lost someone, it ended up being for my own good. So I decided it was time to let it go. And instead of stressing, I would give thanks. I had no idea why she walked away from me, but based on my past experiences, it was always for the best. So without even knowing the reason yet, I just decided to have blind faith in the universe's plan and say thank Thank you for making moves in my favor. I only saw the losing of a relationship as an L because I didn't see the full picture. 
I decided that I don't even need to see the full picture to know that this is a blessing. So right now, even when it still hurts, I'll say thanks. And that's what I did. I let it go. She's on her own journey, and I'm on mine. It's the same with romantic relationships. Sometimes we have breakups that leave us wondering why we weren't good enough, what we could have done better. Sure, there may have been simple compatibility issues, but the mantra I want you to try using if you just can't figure out the why is, not everything is about me. That person might be on their own journey. There are things they need to learn or go through on their own. Healing that has to happen that has nothing to do with you. Did you ever play dodgeball when you were a kid? (laughs) It's something I did with my friends at most lunch breaks. We'd pick captains and then one by one, each captain would choose a player. Have you ever experienced being the last one chosen? Ugh, Ugh, it's the worst. Of course, lots of times the captain would pick a kid because they were already friends or they were the fastest, the prettiest, or the most popular. You'd see each person run to their side of the field, happy that they'd found a home and high five the other players. Every time someone else got picked over me, I'd stand there wondering, do I suck? Am I slow? Do I smell weird? That's what Valentine's Day feels like to someone who's single. Everyone is flexing their flowers and romantic gestures on social media, and you're looking at your cat like, you want to order some pizza? If somebody hasn't chosen you right now or couldn't show up the way you needed them to, that's fine. You're still worthy. You have so much to offer and chances are your person is just busy getting themselves ready. So be patient. Stand in your greatness in all you have to offer and know that you're worthy regardless if somebody else sees it or not. Believe in your beauty. Give thanks for the people who've walked away leaving an extra seat on your bus. You shouldn't have to convince anyone Anyone to to love you. If you have to beg for love, appreciation or attention from a friend romantic partner or even a family member then it's too expensive there are people who will choose you most you haven't even met yet focus on them and most importantly focus on loving you so what did i learn this year (laughs) well i guess that heartbreak and suffering can come at any time and from anyone, even the people you least expect it from. But at the end of the day, there's always a reason. And so before even needing to know what it is, I just give thanks. Thank you for pressing play this week. If you know someone who could use a little bit of this advice or needs a little BLE in their life, could you pretty please share this show with them? I hear every time you do, somebody fabulous hops on your bus. (laughs) It's true. Thanks again for listening. Until next week, please go be your most fabulous self. And don't forget to spread that badass big lash energy everywhere you go. Thanks again. Goodbye. Damn, Jaina, would you fit me in if you can? Damn, Jaina, I know you're the one with the plan. Damn, Jaina, there's no time to waste what you make. Damn, Jaina, could you make me up right now? Damn, Jaina, would you fit me in if you can? Damn, Jaina, I know you're the one with the plan. Damn, Jaina, there's no time to waste what you make. Damn,
why I'm yelling, damn James Would you fit me in if you can, damn James I know you the one with the plan, damn James There's no time to waste, would you make, damn James Could you make me up right now, damn James Would you fit me in if you can, damn James I know you the one with the plan, damn James There's no time to waste, would you make No time to waste, would you make me up? Could you make me up right now?